Hi, I'm Stuart Hardy. What the fuck just happened? The best things in life are free. But you can give them to the birds and bees. I want the money. What does this mean? Uh, it means we take a cynical look at what's in the media and then deconstruct it. But why are you telling me this? Uh, because it's a lazy way of introducing our subject to our listeners. But what's the point? This week, the point is product placement. These are some of the questions we ask every day when we read a paper such as The Sun, Copyright News Corp. Goat's cheese crisis spreads. Watch TV on Sky Plus Digital. We have the TV adaptation of the Argos catalogue, Coronation Street. Or watch a movie at Odeon Cinemas Trademark Copyright Limited. We've got the exclusive trailer for the new action-packed epic, William Hague, the sexy foreign secretary. This is What The Fuck Just Happened, a satire show sponsored by Coke and other products. Bye now. Bye now. Meanwhile, at Zeitgeist Entertainment... I know what people love. They love things. Um, yes, Brian, people love things. No, what I mean is products, items, objects they can buy. And they love it when marketing executives tell them what to buy. I mean, look at Coca-Cola. Putting random people's names on the bottle makes it more personal. Makes people feel like it's really their Coke. It's not a major multinational corporation vacuuming money from fools' pockets by putting someone's name on a Coke bottle. It's a company showing that even though all they care about is money, they at least pretend to care about people. And I find that truly inspiring. So you want to show about things, about products we're selling to people? Yes but at the same time, pretending not to be about things. That will get people really interested. What have we got, people? Oh, I see. So, so it's like a, a magnanimous illusion. It's, it's, it's a broader and freer expression of money-making. Bam! Bonanza! Wow! Okay, thanks, voice in my head. I'm so smart. Oh, uh, excuse me, well, I'm just going to go be sick in my hand. So, yes. A heartwarming family sitcom affair in which everything is product placement. Bang! Filled our quota. This week on I Sold Your Heart, Mum's got a bit of a problem with Jenny. You're not going out dressed like that, young lady. But it's my new outfit from H&M, as recommended by Cosmopolitan magazine, which is now half price at Sainsbury's for this weekend only. Get out. Oh, that girl will be the death of me. I need some anodine. Well, now anodine comes in a new, more effective capsule. John, John, I'm, I'm over here. Why are you speaking to the living room? Smaller, easier to swallow, and more, third thing, this is Anadin Triple Plus Headache Relief. It's your new best friend when your head's pounding. John? Uh, sorry, darling, I, I was distracted by these amazing deals on a DFS sofas. This weekend only, buy now and pay nothing for three months. John, who are you talking to? You, darling. I just wanted to make sure you're aware of where we should be shopping. John, you're acting like next best brand washing powder. I want you to be more like Daz. Make my moids whiter. <laughs> Hang on a sec, I'm just getting a fax. 
These amazing resorts are where we should be vacationing next. Florida, Cyprus, Cambodia, Syria. Hang on, I can't quite read the small print. I'll just get your refresh ophthalmic contact lenses. Trademark 2009. (laughs) Wait, so if you pay our rates an annual bi-weekly basis of 87.8%... This week's I Sold Your Heart was sponsored by Dark Time Razor Blades for when life is just that little bit too painful. Yay! Now, this week, we wanted to look at what is a relatively new addition to British broadcasting. Uh, The ban on product placement on our screens was lifted in February 2011. After years of campaigning, it's been quite a slow start, really, with a pretty low offering of about 5 to 10 million quid spent on it so far, which isn't a lot for TV advertising. This morning, carried the first one with a coffee machine. Nokia Lumia have a pretty strong partnership with Hollyoaks. But one of the most regular users of it is actually the world's longest-running soap opera. That's right. This week, me and Stuart watched Coronation Street all week. (laughs) Did you enjoy it, Stuart? Well, I had never actually willingly watched a soap opera from start to finish before, which was an achievement. Um, We we should make that Zomon Radio's new moniker, destroying people's life dreams. Um, Mine was to blissfully stumble through life never having watched a soap opera from start to finish, and yet here I am now. I don't think that's going to work as a radio station mantra. (laughs) (laughs) Destroying people's dreams. This is one of the longest-running TV shows ever made. Yeah. Twin Peaks was cancelled after two seasons. Mm -hmm. Coronation Street... Running since 1960. Makes my head hurt. Doesn't really make a lot of sense, does it? A show as bad as this. Of course product placement was going to happen. Shallow, worthless marketing and shallow, worthless drama go hand in hand, really. Uh, Once you start looking for the product placement, though, I got a bit addicted. It's kind of hard to know what is placed there. I started um, playing mental bingo with it, yeah. <laughs> it was brilliant. Um, so let's quickly run through some of the brands we saw. Um, the number one one for me, first episode, sat down, recorded it, Monday night, the opening <laughs> shot of Monday night's episode was to a shot of the King's D- King's Speech DVD on, just on somebody's side. Oh. O- opening shot, slow pan out of it to let you really think about it. <laughs> I thought, wow, that's a bit gratuitous. I didn't realise that that was going to feature all week. Yeah. All week! That I was in about three different episodes at about five different points. It was a key storyline point. Th- this really should be um, a game show where you press a buzzer every time you <laughs> see a really crowbarred in bit of product placement. Homes and Living magazine. Uh. Cocoa Pops. Uh. <laughs> Uh, the sweet shop is is an absolute plethora of it. Again, this is kind of where you're like, is that sweet product sh- placement? Or is sweet that- shops exist in the Coronation Street universe? Never. I can, you can't barely see any newspapers in there, can no, you? No, not really. It's Just- definitely a sweet shop. Oh, yeah, Katy Perry's Raw playing in the background. Um, yeah, they, they, I think they're big on that, the music. That's yeah, a good music, spot, yeah. actually. They also had Uno. Remember Uno? It's a card game. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I was wondering as well, like, you just don't know where it ends. They have milk on the side. Is that, is that is product? Is that product? I don't know. Milk do advertise, don't they? Yeah, they they, they which, do. Got which, milk. Which I've never understood. No, me neither. Bread don't bother, do they? They'll no. say, hey, hey, guys, don't forget about bread. Well, Hovis. No, but like, they don't just advertise the product. The product, <laughs> generally, yeah. Which milk does. Well, Coronation Street did do cigarettes as well. 
Did they? Yes. Oh. I, I, like it was just them having them having a conversation in the background. This massive display of all different sorts of cigarettes. Um, legal disclaimer: I'm almost 100 percent sure that's not. I don't think they're allowed to do product placement on alcohol or cigarettes. Yeah, there is some sort of confusion about what's placed there and what was just there because it, it's, it's meant to be like a real life soap opera drama thing. Is Roy Cropper sponsored by British Home Stores? I'd assume so. I liked that. I've kind of had a yearning for one of them cardigans all week, and I just keep looking out for branches of Clark's shoes, but can't find any anywhere. Yeah, I know. Like, product placement, it's it's just so affecting. The strangest thing about Coronation Street is, I don't know why, but afterwards I had the strangest urge to go to Amazon.co.uk and buy a MacBook. An Apple MacBook? Yeah, an Apple MacBook. Yeah, I don't know why. I just, I didn't need it. I've already got a laptop, but I just had this strange, unconscious urge to go and buy it after watching Cory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. W- would you like some, Would you like some Galaxy Minstrels? Oh yeah, yeah. I, d- I don't really like them. Galaxy. Um, but Ple- pleasure after, worth sharing. Yeah, pleasure worth sharing. But after watching Cory, I just had an urge to go to Tesco Metro without a sale on and buy thousands upon thousands of packs of it. <laughs> I had to buy a brand new Range Rover on the way there just to get stacks upon stacks of the rancid stuff home with me. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I could have hired a van from Rent-A-Car. In fact, I did for the Aerial Non-Bio and Andrex toilet tissue, which was also on offer at Tesco Metro at the moment. It sounds like you're busy. Yeah, I can barely move in my house now. <laughs> <laughs> it is affecting. It's really affecting. But soaps have always been running, haven't it? Let's move slightly away from the product, the product placement. Would you like um, to buy a laptop? Uh, 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 an Apple MacBook, yeah. Apple MacBook, yeah. Sony Vios as well. Get all of them. Yeah, because neither of them have paid us yet, so we can mention <laughs> both. Um, soaps have always been in place to kind of reflect modern Britain, reflect society. That's why the 60s versions is quite different to today's versions. And the, the problem's faced by the average man, I guess. So what issues is it, was it tackling this week to do that? Um, I think someone mentioned car bombs and ritual suicide, but or that might have just been me making stuff up because I wanted something interesting to happen. Yeah, no, it was bitch fights in pubs. That was Monday. Paranoia, uh, the classic tale of two men teaching each other to dance. You know, we've all been through that in life. Yeah, Again, secret DNA tests, you know, murder mystery, sleeping with your brother's wife, divorce, just standard life issues, really. Standard life issues, murder mystery. Just what's going on. (laughs) I wouldn't say that soaps are meant to reflect modern Britain. They're meant to be for people who don't really have any interesting gossip in their social lives. Like, they do the general people cheating, backstabbing, snide comments and stuff, but just to make sure that the viewer knows where the plot is at the moment and who said or did something, so you can go, oh, I know to that thing that happened in Corrie. Oh, did you <laughs> yeah. see what she said or, or what she did? Mm. They crowbar in the most expositional dialogue I have ever seen on anything. It doesn't take any time to get up to speed, does it? <laughs> no, really, because they just flat out say everything that happens. <laughs> Dave, I can't believe you agreed to give her part ownership of this pub that we run together because we're married well she is my mother yes and my name's michelle (laughs) (laughs) and we've been having marital problems and have a secret love child that's going to show up next week and spout exposition yes she is there was a point when a bloke walked up to liz uh, who's recently back and she said (laughs) michelle's dad isn't it what (laughs) (laughs) who would say that (laughs) do people say that in real life Stuart Hardy, isn't it? Yes, it's Stuart Hardy. Uh, the dialogue is atrocious, and we have kind of covered this a little bit before on Homeland, but if you thought Homeland was bad... I know. Um, we've got... I haven't got time to play a bed out for it, but let's quickly run through some of the shittest lines of dialogue from this week's Coronation Street. So, 
your first day as a landlady. Thanks for telling us that, screenwriter. I don't believe that you're a character. <laughs> um, oh, I love this one. I want this one. Uh, oh, a young mother said, I've just dropped a sprog. Eh? Like, I know that is a phrase, but I've never heard a young mother say it, not a new mother. No, your precious darling little baby is a sp- I've just dropped a sprog. Yeah. Um, yeah, another one. She so hates babies. Which was the line of the week, so it was, they made like an <laughs> eight-year-old lad deliver it, so fair <laughs> enough. Nice she one. So, yeah, she so hates babies, it's like she, she just doesn't care about them. Um, just before the bitch fight on Monday was, don't give me that, you lying tart. Yeah, classic soap classic, line. Classic soap line, that. Copy and paste job. You seem a bit under the weather. Well, I am dying. Uh, to which they both giggled. Because that's a joke. That's the kind of that's, friendly that's laugh jo- yeah. that people I'll, make. Oh, I wonder if it's cholera. Uh, and from Fridays, or Thursdays, I think it was, well, the open neck looks always suited you, which is just the driest, laziest <laughs> art. You know, because, yeah, because some people just don't suit not wearing a tie, do they? Uh, do these writers actually know people? <laughs> Are they, they're, they're, I swear they must be robots, because like, there was this one bit where um, the, da- the dad, Michelle... I don't who cares who, who she is. Her parents are getting divorced and um, her dad comes from having an angry phone argument with um, her mum who has kicked him out and, she said, and he says, I'm done, Michelle. Your mum and I are finished. And then there was a two-second pause so we think, what's he talking about? We're getting a divorce. And then he pulls the ring off the finger to make it <laughs> certain he's getting a divorce. That means we're not going to be together anymore. <laughs> Shakes head. <laughs> this program is called Coronation Street. It's just this endless hand-holding. Yeah. Um, it's on twice a night, some nights, which amazed the people I was watching it. They were like, what? We've got to watch again in half an hour. I said, don't worry, I'm recording it. <laughs> um, and yet they still feel the need that basically if you just watch one half an hour a month, I think you'll keep up to date with it. Yeah, definitely. There's there's just nothing there. Oh, another thing that really, really bothered me about the dialogue. Everyone always says each other's names every single time they talk to each other. Don't they, Rick? Yes, they do, Stuart. Just to remind the viewer who this person having a bitch fight in the pub or having a drug problem is, so you can get involved in the daily <laughs> life, Goss. Do, do all soaps do this, Rick? Your name's Rick, isn't it, Rick? Yes, Stuart Hardy, it is. <laughs> uh, should we have like uh, one of them convenient editing breaks with one of the sketches you rock? Yes, Rick Lee, we should, um, as we need time to prepare for bullshit headlines, which is a more fast-paced section used to add balance and a current feel to our radio show, What the Fuck Just Happened, the show you're listening to. Do you mean the one that's available on iTunes and on demand at zone1radio.com? Uh, Stuart of website stewbagful.wordpress.com Yes, Rick Lee, that one. This is a bit of dialogue between us that has... This bit of dialogue between us has been good, but not as good as the Oscar-winning King's Speech, which is available on DVD oh, at yeah. all good retailers at the moment. Uh, now here is a sketch that we wrote about how soap operas lazily crowbar in as many types of people as possible to fill their audience demographic. Hey, Judy, give us a pint. I've had a rough day. Something about, darling? Yeah, I've spent half the day shoveling excrement down pit, then doing accounts on an office computer while my boss, who's also my secretary, gives me lip and grief at the same time. Well, then, you sure encompass a lot of demographics. Yeah, so, anyway, how's the modelling career going? 
great. But it's really hard having a sexy modelling career while also working in a pub and struggling to bring up three teenagers. Dave, me old mucker. How have you been? I'm a bit of a ladies' man who lads are supposed to relate to. Dave, how's being a lad and also sensitive so girls will fall all over you and also possibly gay going? Great. I've been seeing Gwen and having a bit on the side whilst also having emotional problems or drug problems that make it okay. Oh, that's brilliant. Anyway, I'm off to do my sculpting classes after I've descaled the cooker and clean the toilet. Dave, I've either just discovered a shocking revelation about you or me or someone else. What is it, Julie? Tell me. Well, I'm either pregnant, discovered you're having a bit on the side, I'm moving house, someone's declared a jihad on me, someone's been in a car accident, or I'm having drug problems. Uh, Full trance can only mean one thing. Bullshit headlines. Bullshit headlines. Metro, Monday the 14th. It's all twerked out for her, which is an article about Lady Gaga. No, just kidding. It's Miley Cyrus's album tops the charts despite not being very good, and it sold on, quote, sex appeal. Really? I thought it sold because people will enjoy watching Channel 4 documentaries about people with freaky skin conditions, and some mentally deranged former child star sticking her tongue out has the same appeal. That's what I thought as well. Uh, Standard, Monday the 14th. David Cameron sympathetic to relaxing hunting ban. Um, well, you can see why those hunters have had all their fun ripping the heads off innocent little animals spoilt by the ban, and all they wanted to do was tear the guts out of bunny rabbits and foxes and dance in the pretty fountains of blood and entrails for their own fun and enjoyment. <laughs> Poor hunters, give I know, them, so sympathetic. Give them a break, man, they deserve break. some sympathy. Yeah, look beyond zoo and nuts for real misogyny. I'm assuming that means look beyond Zoo and Nuts and at the editors of Zoo and Nuts for real misogyny there. Specifically, yeah. Big news. Shops are set for Christmas boom, uh, says Research Outfit. Uh, Well, duh, says everyone else. Independent, Tuesday the 15th. Ying and Yang, odd couple in China mission. This is about George Osborne and Boris Johnson's trip to China. Wow, Uh, I'm bored about reading about that. So, same here. The way that they did this article, though, they made it look like it's a movie poster. He was a fluffy-headed simpleton. <laughs> he was a sour-faced spoiled brat sent by the boss on a trip to China. Bojo and Jobo in China mission. Yeah, thanks for all the pictures, papers, every day on that one. Uh, from the Metro Tuesday, you got a good one. You were saying school bans words because they are like slang in it. The Metro attempts to be funny about a private school ba- banning pupils from using crap words like blood and in it, you know what I mean? For sure, blood, in it. Goat's cheese, goat's cheese crisis spreads. Shortage sends chervre down middle-class spines. <laughs> how will people? How will people cope with this crisis? Did you write the chervre line, or was that in the paper? That was in the paper. Really? Ah, I was about to compliment you. That was good writing. <laughs> Parents must also play a role in teaching their children. A- apparently, that that needed pointing out. Apparently, that's a, still a question. Saucy Miley is okay, says Spicy Britney. Oh, so Britney Spears says that Miley Cyrus's current public activities are okay. We can all relax now. That's a great endorsement there. Cheers, Britney. Uh, the Sun, our bullshit headlines favourite. Tuesday the 4th. 
Wonga the movie. Um, no no jo- jokes. No, no jokes in this headline. Apparently the payday lender is making a movie about itself to repair its battered image. I think they've done the wrong thing off the bat. If you're openly saying you've made enough profit to make a feature film, I guess it's going to be a remake of Triumph of the Will, but starring their CEO as Hitler. Are video games increasing anxiety? Because uh, obviously they already make people kill people and crash cars, and I think they're responsible for world hunger as well. Aren't yeah, they? yeah. The- um, apparently, some guy who has OCD who gave up video games said so to the Sun. Who this guy is and whether he's done any research, whether he even has a C at GCSE Science, it doesn't say or offer any footnotes. Just yeah, it was. They said it in the Sun, so it's true. Yeah, it must be. Express, Tuesday the 4th. Here we row again. News that some rowers saw some cows paddling in a river. Good picture, though. Yeah, it was a really good picture. Really impressed by that one. Mm-hmm. And uh, the most useless political correctness ma- gone mad story I've ever seen in a newspaper. Mm-hmm. Off their lollies. Lollipop man quits over ban on high fives. A lollipop man quits after being threatened with suspension for giving kids high fives as they cross the road. Which is a bit mad, but if you could be bothered to read the story carefully, as I don't think anyone could, uh, mainly just read the headline in the first paragraph, um, there'd also been complaints about him walking out into the road early before cars had stopped. Uh, but that's not political correctness gone mad. Yeah, is it? I know. Give him back the right to give high fives to children. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Daily Mail, Wednesday the 16th. Trying for a baby? Get seven or eight hours sleep a night. Uh, New research shows continuing to do what everyone does anyway will improve chances of getting pregnant. Uh, I'm assuming breathing in oxygen, exhaling carbon dioxide, that kind of thing also helps. The Mirror, Wednesday the 16th. Susanna, I'm just not sexy. One of the Susannas says that she isn't sexy, which was on the front page of the newspaper. Wow, that must have been a slow news day. Wow. Uh, basically, variations on a theme for every single newspaper of Erio, 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 uh, which is damned fantastic headline writing. I think we can expect lots more of that over the next seven months. They're actually, I think, they're going to run out. They've been using too many this week. We had uh, Brazil nuts. Um, yeah, the second that you said, now that we're in the, now that we're going to the Brazilian World Cup, you said that there were going to be lots of pun headlines. I saw one in the Sun the next second. Yeah, we got a Brazilian. <laughs> the Sun writers take joy at the fact they can refer to vaginal shaving on a front page headline, but it's okay because it's about football. At least I assume it was. I think they're going to use Sad Paolo when we go out in the group stage next year. That'd be a good one. I think so. That's my prediction for you. The Mirror, Thursday the 17th. The Past Terminator. Arnold Schwarzenegger eats spaghetti bolognese and they did a picture of it. Nice one. Nice one. Camilla's Homeboy. Um, um, Someone from Homeland meets Camilla Parker Bowles. That warranted a story. The Sun, Thursday the 17th. Bravo, NHS op Jody. Uh, one of the famous Jodies had a boob job and wants to pay the NHS back. Uh, wow, it's like she's a role model or something. Nice one, Jody. We all owe you for that. Thanks. Yeah. Um, man that stabbed his ex girlfriend gets out of going to jail. Best headline ever. Stab Yob goes free. It's like alliteration or something. <laughs> well of, done, the Sunrisers. It's one of them literary things, isn't it? The Metro, Friday the 18th. Of course, it's page three. Thank you, of Metro, the Metro. Page three. Thank you, Metro, page three. Some Mr. Men went to Mo, which is news that the Mr. Men have grown moustaches to promote Movember. 
Or someone has drawn moustaches on the Mr. Men and put them out to promote Movember? Yeah, that's a story. Yeah. That's a story. Um, I feel really, really terrible about making a joke about this one, but it has to be said because, okay, a BBC presenter, not that one, doing sex crimes, <laughs> the headline that they went with was Molester Behind the Mic. Which, there's a time and a place for sing-songy headlines. Molester Behind the Mic sounds like a band Famous Five novel. <laughs> sort it out, Metron, please. Uh, Daily Mail, again, <clears throat> always up there with the Metro and providing us with this. Uh, a glass of wine a week can cut the chances of pregnancy. So, uh, yeah, you might as well just sack condoms off and go with that one, isn't it? Yeah, just drink wine. Um, this one really annoyed me. If doctors are nice to fatties, they'll just get fatter says columnist Dr. Max Pemberton. That's Pemberton spelt C-U-N-T, by the way. Since when has bullying ever been productive, you massive prick? Um, yeah, I'm never buying the mail again for this show. They can continue publishing idiots doodling swastikas all they want. I feel dirty for giving them money. Uh, so that's it, is it? Now five weeks in, you've gone... No, uh, no more. No, no more, more pennies no going more in daily, their pocket. No more Daily Mail. Uh, we'll have to just get the Express. Um, daily Mirror, Friday. Robbie shuts fashion label, uh, which is news because no one knew he had one. <coughs> Did you know? I had no idea. I had no idea. Housework, not exercise. Uh, no, it's housework. Spotted. Fern. Fern spotted. <laughs> Br- brilliant. Really short, really short um, translation there. Doing the splits. Collection of pictures of women wearing similar dresses. Not doing the splits. Uh, and finally, from the Express on Friday, front page, main headline: How to tackle back pain hell. You can tell their demographic. Um, which, when you read the story, is the the advice is um, do something about it. Apparently, just leaving it, it doesn't help. Nice one, Express. Thanks I never, for that. I never would have guessed. Front page news: <laughs> My flyaway hair trumps yours. Um, a woman looks like a famous person. Which... No, no, it was actually a bird. Looks like a, a famous bird. Person. Oh, a bird looks like a famous person. I thought you were using euphemism there. No. Um, yeah, bird looks like a famous person. Nowhere near as good as Vladimir Putin. Though. No, you've still got to step top, it up. Still top one. Though. I think they. I think after two weeks, Ned's have gone. Get me a Vladimir Putin. I need another Vladimir Putin story. And someone, went, oh, this bird kind of looks like Donald Trump. No, I reckon they, that'll do. I reckon they just sent one of their photographers to the park and said, "Go get me a story." Okay, uh, that's it for the bullshit headlines. But we will be back with more paper reviews in a second as we look at the left-wing press. Welcome to Waitrose Cookery Inspiration. Doreen's cooking up an all-natural, organic, Waitrose lasagna. Well, I've baked Waitrose ready lasagna for 35 years, and I ain't ever changed the formula. She cooks lasagna like the stuff when you were a kid, and works late into the night in the lab, cooking what you love best. Well, I put chemical A and chemical B in a test tube on a Bantam burner for about half an hour. Then I soften out the iron filings. And then she fries the lasagna in a proton fission reactor. Carry the one at four percent and done. Waitrose ready lasagna. It's as good and natural as we tell you it is. Nobody more magnesium sulfate. All right then, so it's time for This Week We Read, and this week we read, read, <laughs> The Guardian and the Mirror, because we've been slagging off a lot of the right-wing press every week, so I thought... For good go, reason. Yeah, obviously. I thought we'd go 
shift a little bit more and look critically at what perhaps is more in line with our own political views. Um, so we're looking at the left-wing press, or at least what's left of the left-wing press. Which includes two publications. Uh, the amount of liberal media out there would appear to be more if you read the Daily Mail, since they bang on about it quite a lot, but they think that anyone that cares about anything is a bit too far left. <laughs> um, but yeah, we do have two prominent left-wing newspapers, The Mirror, which is supposedly the left-wing version of The Sun, but without the tits because they're feminists. Yes, they are. Honestly. Honestly feminist. Um, the Daily Mail are under the impression that The Guardian is their immediate rival, which is weird because The Guardian covers world events all the time. Mm. The closest that The Daily Mail get to anything outside the UK is the fucking Sudoku. The Guardian presents stories in the same way as the Mail and the Express, but it just doesn't use the word scum quite as much. <laughs> it tries to be fairer to poorer people, like the man that broke into Buckingham Palace to stab the Queen this week. Allegedly, he just wanted to talk about benefits, according to the Guardian, rather than was possessed by Satan and like stepping on puppies, according to the Mail and the Sun. Possibly somewhere in between the two, I think. Um, so we, I wanted to look at uh, a big political story of the week and dominated by every newspaper, I, I literally every day, was mostly just pictures of uh, Boris Johnson and George Osborne's trip to China. Uh, which Who the, cares? Which, which the, the Mirror described at one point Boris as the flamboyant mayor of London. Um, I can think of a more apt F word for him, I think, really. Fake? That would work. I'd go with fake, fraud, yeah. false. All of them apply. More. I, d I don't believe anything we've been told about Boris or anything he says about himself is actually true. He's made a career, a political career, out of... A persona. A persona, yeah. Yeah. A I, couple of good appearances on Have I Got News For You. Yeah, that's all I remember him for. Yeah. <laughs> For supposedly left-wing papers, The Mirror and The Guardian don't half not bother to insert any opinion in their articles. Boris Johnson is a polarising figure. Say that again. The Daily Mail outright said uh, says opinion in their articles. Nah, nah, we're glad your commie dad is dead, Ed Miliband, you lefty prick. And yet The Mirror couldn't, say, subtly put captions over pictures of Boris Johnson in China saying something like... Boris Johnson annoying people at an event in China for some reason. I mean, not that, but something like that. That would have worked. I, I think it's the lack of real genuine opinion that's given by them that is missing. I don't know, I just feel like jealous. Like, come on, you should be fighting your corner a bit better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this this week, this story, though, it, it forked, focused all the papers, not just the lefties, but the, you know, the Mirror and the Guardian, I asked us to look at the political story of the week, and this was really it. This was our Chancellor and the Mayor of our biggest city and capital city going to an incumbent superpower and brokering deals, and mainly we just got press shots. There wasn't really any discussion about what was being said out there or what was being done. Did you see the piece in the Guardian about Boris Johnson's hair? I know, that was our, that was the most prominent thing in my mind when I knew we were going to go in and talk about this. There's a piece in The Guardian called The Bald Truth, Boris Johnson. Granted, it brought up some actual reasons why <coughs> Boris isn't all people think he is, but the main force of the argument is he wouldn't make a good Prime Minister because he's losing his hair. It took till Thursday on page 29 of The Guardian to find what for me was the first actual serious news story on either of their visits. Apparently, George Osborne has put some pressure on our city regulatory bodies to allow Chinese banks to operate as branches in London rather than subsidiaries. So they're branches of a Chinese bank 
but they're in London. And that means they're not... Now, stop me if you've read this a million times this week because there was a million stories on it, but I'm guessing you haven't. This is the first anyone had to mention of it. This effectively means they bypass our financial rules and standards and instead are just governed by the standards of their own country. Now, I'm not going to say too much more on that because I'm no financial expert, but it doesn't sound great for a start. And the problem I'm highlighting here is that anyone else reading either The Guardian, The Mirror or any of our papers this week will be forgiven for thinking that basically the UK's hottest new stand-up duo, Bojo and Jobo, <laughs> had just finished a sell-out comedy tour of China rather than perhaps actually making potentially lethal packs with the next great superpower of the world, relaxing our financial rules in the process and so on and so forth. Yeah, instead instead of watching press shots and footage of Boris, John Boris Johnson and George Osborne on TV, I expected them to do stand-up routines. So, China, it's, it's brilliant and marvellous. And yeah, but what's all that thing about Chinese food about? Is, do they just call it food here? You, <laughs> like, oh, that is a good line. You try telling anyone any of what you just said about what they were actually doing in China, they'll stare at you blankly. It's the power of misdirection. Pictures of Bojo looking like a fluffy tit here. They're going to drive the economy further into the shitter in small print. I'm really surprised that yeah. the, the left-wing press are just as guilty as the right-wing press here uh, for completely sidelining this entire issue. Ignoring the issue. This, for me, is the major political story of the week. Yeah, there's pleb getting everything else still rumbling on, but this was actually news, and this kind of deal and kind of trip is in the paper every day not because it's two men in China because it's the chancellor of the country making deals um and frankly you had to really really dig and search believers we bought every paper this week and there was very little commentary one pound 40 for the guardian every day that's that's fucking <laughs> that's basically basically you worked for about 5 hours on monday just to be able to do this segment on this show, didn't you? I know. It's... <laughs> oh, so that's that's their political coverage anyway, which isn't a great deal. Editorially, though, these are the left-wing press. These should be shouting from the rafters with their left-wing opinions. Editorial comment and opinion pieces, for me in the mirror, just kind of boils down to like some leftish chest beating like anyone left wing would say these things Kevin Maguire described a racist Tory tweeter as Essex slug maze well yeah yeah he probably Fine, is yeah, I don't know if you yeah. want to call him a slug okay generic articles on the BBC not being lefty okay yeah fair enough Branson's gone to a tax haven yeah okay fair enough um, Cameron protects the rich yeah okay fair enough not a lot, though. It was just very generic. Mm. Like anyone, anyone could say this thing. What qualifies you to be in a newspaper saying it? The Guardian's editorials are like often on the side of articles from the ones that they're related to, and yeah. gen generally just amount to more facts. Which, granted, they've done a lot of research, but I can't find a whole lot in the way of opinion. They try and th they think that the facts speak for themselves, but they don't. People are idiots. They <laughs> need their opinions told to them. Like you say, as people who generally back the political opinions of these papers, you feel a bit embarrassed that they don't manage to shout as well about these opinions. They really as don't. The Sun or the Telegraph or the Mail or the Express managed to. The Guardian kind of does have a general editorial leaning to its more favoured stories, educations all over it and all through it. I think it's read by a lot of teachers. Um, and they've been at the centre of the NSA scandal alongside some of the biggest US papers, um, which... It's great. They still do 
as much as papers can these days, do do that kind of more crusading journalism when they do it. But it's kind of summed up by Simon Hoggart, who's a regular opinion writer for him this week. He did a piece on Prime Minister's questions. It was dead good. He kind of showed up RPM exactly for what he is on the subjects, not just of Plebgate, which I'm absolutely sick of, but also the reprehensible ATOS and some fantastic questions that were fired at him in um, PMQs, which he didn't really have an answer for. But the Guardian's so understated and almost embarrassed by itself that it like sneaks it away in a side column on page two next to a giant, like three times the size of this article, Dolce and Gabbana advert with the limp headline, Cameron versus Police, his next big feud. No way, man. Yeah, just if, if somebody had written a piece like that for the Express, it would have been Block Capital's front page. Scum, scum, scumity scum. Yeah, Brown should die. Blair is Satan. I know, Something just, like that. And it's I know, I know that the ideology says that we should be more dignified than this, but no. Yeah, be fierce. Your rivals be are fierce. fierce. Yeah, be exactly. fierce back. A grave socialist. Well, fuck you and your mother. Just say <laughs> something like that, for God's sake. Also, something lifted straight from the editorial commentary on the mirror. This was from quite a while ago, so it's not relevant, but this completely sums up the mirror's approach to politics and the media from a left-wing perspective and just makes me have absolutely no respect for it whatsoever as a left-wing paper. But all the press use this, the Metro, the Sun, the Mirror, they all use this late last year and it sticks right in my mind. It's from Will I Am, professional bleep position, I refuse to call him a musician, from the Black Eyed Peas. I'm not worried about North Korea. Nuclear weapons are so old school. The, pro- the prosecution rests. <laughs> the, it, like, if he's your political correspondent, Mirror, there's nothing more to say. It's just the Sun, but... Well, nothing that some without the tits. Um, it's pretty... Yeah, they have a lot of the same meaningless articles. I don't think we're telling anybody anything new here, are we? Not really, no. It's pretty much it. Devoid of anything, really. Uh, Mummy Tuck was good. Yeah, Mummy Tuck. The mirrors, mirror, the mirrors meaningless stories are, again, void of anything we would call opinion when stuff requires an opinion from a left-wing newspaper. You'd think they point out... This story, Mummy Tuck, a story about a mum spending her entire family's life savings on expensive plastic surgery to regain her figure after having children. You're a left-wing paper about a mum being a greedy, vain arsehole and leaving her family in the shitter because she couldn't be asked to diet. Something that the Mail and the Express would run into the ground and probably agree with because they think that looks are everything. Mm -hmm. But here, left-wing paper, no tone whatsoever in the way they covered this. It's one of the most pathetic stories I've ever read, and yet the Mirror just presented it as a story. And that's all they do. This happened. This happened. So did this. Editorial comment. So the condemns. What's all that about? Story. Story. That's it. Yeah, it's it's definitely aimed at women as Paul says. So I think that's their only attempt, basically, isn't it? To yeah, differentiate. The way, the way that I would sum up the mirror, basically, grazie without the fashion. They do the same stories. They might as well get their material changed to a shinier paper and start calling themselves a glossy, really. They'd probably sell more copies. Probably, yeah. As well, actually. Do it, mirror. <laughs> You know, we all got to make some money. So to sum up, politics has undoubtedly moved to a much more centrist position overall. Uh, you know, socialism is now a, a dirty word, whereas in the thirties people were strike. Uh, sorry, in the eight, thirty years ago, in the eighties people were willing to strike over that kind of thing. Um, what have the so in this position? What have the supposedly left wing press still got to say? Are, are, are they left leaning anymore? 
Um, well, if reading The Mirror and The Guardian this week has taught me anything, it's impossible to maintain an audience and a political opinion in the age of the internet. Because people will only click on you and pay attention if you have a cute animal or something that looks funny. This series has taught me so much about journalism and how little respect they have for people because all they just want is key buzz, buzzwords in, in headlines to yeah, grab people's attention. Yeah. And it's not just sex and twerking I'm talking about here. Buzzwords, random pictures for people to go <laughs> while flicking through <laughs> when they're bored. <laughs> Newspapers have essentially become lolcats in print. Mm. They've got to fight for people's attention and hard-on left-wing views just don't do that. So they don't even bother. I think you're right. I mean, we bash the mail for being so brazen with its opinions. But like, at least has the gusto to do it. You yeah, know? exactly. Um, Ian Hislop was talking last week about the freedom of the press, and he referred to people who say, oh, you know, we should ban the mail for what they do. But as he said, you don't ban it. You just don't read it. Well, yeah, exactly. The mirror is such a huge contrast, because on any day you have to sift through 20 pages of fluff before you get to any real opinion on politics, which isn't even that well-grounded anyway. The sun's full of guff. But their opinion is more often than not splattered like all over the front page and on page four and on page six. They like really go for it when they are talking about it. They said in the the classic headline from the Sun is um, in the seventy nine election, maybe eighty no eighty three with Neil Kinnock. Um, they quite foolishly put it was the Sun what won it on the front page the day after, which was a bit of a you know they certainly got in a bit of trouble and the the um, the writer wasn't exactly applauded for such uh, a belief that they swung a whole nation's political opinions. But on the evidence of this week, it will never, ever read, it was the mirror what won it. Well, I definitely have to agree with you there. I mean, journalism used to be opinion-centric, but now it's becoming something else entirely. When you see the same story about the policeman that looks like a Lego figure in blah, one paper. Blah, blah. Then the next paper has the same story of the policeman that looks like a Lego figure. Mm-hmm. Then in the next paper, and then the counter gets up to about six or seven papers just reporting the same story. Look at this man who looks like a Lego figure. Yeah. In the dog that looks like a Val- Vladimir Putin. That that appeared in at least 20 publications. I mean, no- we, we laugh at that, but really we should be despairing. We really should be despairing. Like, it really has got to the point where, if anywhere, someone notices a funny-shaped brick on the side of the road, all the journalists will just swarm around that person that noticed it and analyse it and examine it and think that they've done their jobs and will just buy whichever paper has the prettiest name to get the same story. Like, I would love to have seen what the policeman that looks like a Lego figure's house was like on the day that he called up his local paper to see if they were interested. Journalists really are like a swarm of bees. Terry, dinner's ready. Ooh, what are we having? Prawn linguine. Ooh, that prawn looks a bit funny. Yeah, it sort of looks like a person. If anyone, I'd say it looks like George Osborne. I'm going to take a picture for Facebook. <sighs> Do you have to? I hate it when people post pictures of their food on Facebook. There it goes. Ooh, 12 likes already. <sighs> Can we have dinner now? I worked really hard on it. Just a second. Hello there. Are you Terry, the man that found a prawn that looked like George Osborne? Uh, yes. What's all this about? Absolutely nothing, Mr. Terry Prawn Man. Would you agree to be photographed for The Sun tomorrow with an article about you and your astounding prawn discovery? Headline to read, George Osborne, the prawn? George Osborne would be better. 
Terry in George Osborne-shaped prawn shock. The update. Terry, a man who found a prawn that looked like George Osborne, has been reported as saying in response to the press attention, what's all this about, and just who the hell do you people think you are, and has denied the press photos of him just minutes after the funny-shaped prawn discovery that's taken the internet by storm. Papers are leading with funny-shaped prawn man being very shellfish, and also prawn Osborne is crabby. Well, you should have thought about it before you put something like that on Facebook. But, but why do people care so much? <sighs> Look, let's just make dinner and forget about the journalists on the lawn. Hmm, funny. This spaghetti bolognese looks like it's got a face in it. Oh, yeah. It looks a bit like Ed Miliband. Terry Prawn Man renounces condoms with Millie Bolognese. No oh, shit. Not again. Okay, now's the portion of the show we call our Blunt Movie Guide, uh, where we look at what films are out that you could be going to see under the impression it's going to be good, and we bluntly skip over all the dramatics and get to the point of what they're really about. Yeah, Hollywood be, would be a lot less exciting if, with us in charge, really. This, this is why we're not film critics, really. <laughs> uh, it's, it's almost anti-film criticism, isn't it? It really is. Um, spoiler alert, there's going to be lots of spoilers in this. For obvious reasons. Kicking off with Sly Stallone in Escape Plan. In which Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger mm. are in a high-security prison and they have to escape it. And then they sit down and have tea and discuss the civility of action movies. No, no, just kidding. Punching people and guns, etc., really. You literally lost me at Sylvester Stallone and <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger. Although I imagine when that film was pitched, that was the hook. They were like, they started reading the script to them and the guy was going, look, I'm not paying for this shit. And then they went, don't worry. Sylvester we... Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger punch people. Went, Make me that film. <laughs> um, okay, uh, enough said about that one. What's the next film? Enough Said, which is a romantic comedy with James Gandolfini in it. What's it about? What's the gimmick? Doesn't matter. It has James Gandolfini in it. People will see it because of that. <laughs> and then they'll forget every single thing that happens in it five seconds after they give it five stars possibly buy it on DVD where they'll watch it once, repeat the aforementioned process, and never watch it again. It's really one of those films that just doesn't matter what's in it. I actually have caught myself <laughs> looking at the, the things on the, the tube, the adverts and that, and thinking, uh, yeah, you've got me there. I kind of do want to see it. But what what's it about? <laughs> it do, you, do you have any idea what it's about? It doesn't matter. It's got, um, <laughs> it's... what's her name from Curb Your Enthusiasm? Uh, well, from uh, Seinfeld in it as well, isn't it? Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Yeah, all right. I've seen her in Veep, and she's pretty awesome in that. Um, but, yeah, it's just the last James Gandolfini film, I guess, isn't doesn't it? doesn't matter what it's about. Pink Flamingo's doing a dance or something. Who cares? Anyway, keeping on with the crap links, we should speed up here. Next film. Turbo. Mm. which is a CGI animated kids film about racing snails and the snail wants to win the race against the other snails and then he does. Um, basically, you know that film about racing drivers Rush that came out recently? James Hunt, Basically yeah. that, but with snails. We really should get London GP to cover it. It doesn't sound like it's got too much motor racing involved, so it is their kind of thing as well. <laughs> uh, but with snails? Yeah, I think, is it not? Uh, Planes just came out as well, didn't it? Uh, which was yeah. the sequel to Cars... Have they just remade the th that both of those films again and called it Turbo? But with snails. We wouldn't put snails in it this time. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I'm sure some kids will go and see it. They've kind of snuck it out. It's like it's not good enough to be <laughs> a summer Hollywood blockbuster and it's definitely not good enough to be in Christmas. 
kids' movies, so they've put it on this one. October, everybody. <laughs> yeah. The month of fun. Um, there's got kind of a smaller release that needs mentioning, Last Passenger. Um, I'll read you the plot of this one. A small group of everyday passengers on a speeding London commuter train battle their warped driver who has a dark plan for everybody on board. Is now, this one of your films? No, it's a real film. All it's right. a real film that's coming out in cinemas. I've noticed a plot hole immediately. A speeding London commuter train? Really? <laughs> every, dark... every three minutes it just stops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a dark plan for the commuters, for the driver. That they, they would have to make it go really slowly instead until the commuters all go mad. <laughs> Plus, if it was speeding to disaster... It'd get hit by signal failures and everyone would have to get out of the train and escape the killer drive. They're done. Ladies and gentlemen, we're just being held at a red signal <laughs> to regulate the service. Ah, <laughs> oh, Christ, there's a man with a knife. <laughs> you might want to exit. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, from a very small release to a very, very big release, opened a London Film Festival last week. Tom Hanks is back and in Oscar form in Captain Phillips. Which is another movie capitalising on the fact it's about real events, so you need to see it. You love things about real events, don't oh, you? Oh, God, I despise things about real events. Um, yeah, they could have just called it the Somali Pirates movie. Come and see it because you read about it the other year, so you'll subconsciously think, oh, because I know about it, that makes me clever. <laughs> yeah, it's about a man and boats and pirates in the Middle East. What do you think happens? Text in now. Uh, and apparently, as although it is based on real events... Did you see it? I can't remember. One of the big American newspapers. Um, most of the people involved came out to say uh, Captain Phillips was no hero. Uh, he's actually a bit of a dick. No one wanted to be with him. He put us perilously in uh, in danger of the Somali pirates deliberately because he was a bit of an egotist. And also apparently somebody who plays a very small cameo in it was actually the real hero of the day. Hmm, interesting. I understand as well, apparently the director was asked if he'd made a US Navy propaganda film, which he was <laughs> reluctant to answer. I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder why. Um, yeah, we'd like to finish this week's Blunt Movie Guy with an exclusive trailer from the British film industry's wading into recent events, real-life international politics thing, with the UK's sexiest foreign secretary ever. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Haig, The Movie. We have 24 hours to save the hostages from the terrorist cell in Syria. When war breaks out in foreign lands, who can save us? Get me William Hague. At the very time that power in the world is in any case shifting rapidly to the east, it is argued that in such a world, Britain can only exercise its influence through the European Union. Lay down your weapons, brothers! Travel to far-off lands with the most exciting foreign secretary the United Kingdom has ever known, the badass William Haig. Mr. Haig, you're a madman. We can't storm in all guns blazing. There are hostages. The international focus must above all be on ending the crisis. To that end, we are stepping up our efforts to support the opposition and increase pressure on the regime in order to create the conditions for a political transition. He's right. Shoot first, ask questions later. Sensual William Haig. Mmm, say it again, Mr. Haig. Many of our greatest successes have come from learning from and working with other countries in the world. So we should never be arrogant, never be complacent, and never be inward-looking. 
Mmm, do it to both of us again, Mr. Haig. <laughs> Thank you, Nicola. This year, discover the man behind the UK Foreign Office. Oh my god, it's Mr. Haig! Mr. Haig, please sign my breast! The world has changed. Many Western countries are slipping back as emerging economies push ahead with energy and drive. Some will make the transition to this, but others will struggle with it for decades. Men want to be him. Women want him inside of them. No one does it like Haig. Haig, you're a loose cannon, but you're just the sort of loose cannon we need. At the same time as building stronger relations with countries around the world, we are using our leadership in every multilateral forum, from the UN and the EU to NATO, the G8 and the G20, to help solve the problems of our age and to shape the world we bequeath to the next generation for the better. William Hague is the man who never shut up. Coming 2014. Okay, order, order, order in the radio studio. It's time for Reality Check, where we make a passing glance at being serious for a nanosecond before descending into bad puns. This week, I'm sales and defence. The topic of something very, very dubious and very, very serious, and it's really, really hard to make jokes about it. Yeah, we're actually taking them less and less seriously as the week goes on, which is a shame because <laughs> the topics are getting more serious. Yeah, it's uh, it's strange. We have to laugh in the face of adversity, though. Uh-huh. Um, presenting the case against defence is Lord Cree Hater. That's a hip-hop <laughs> reference there. <laughs> Mr. That gives me a headache. Mr. Richard Lee. Um, you should try some Lemsick Max. We'll come to that later. <laughs> Um, Looks very tasty. Look, we've got to admit it. The Chinese do things better and cheaper than we do. We can't be getting into a bidding war with them. We can't be getting into any wars with them. If we start stuff selling stuff to their enemies, that's going to piss them right off. Look at how hard Bojo and Geo Osp, or whatever they call him, are trying to be mates now. It's going to destroy all that fine brown nosing they've been doing this week and make a mockery of all the lies they've been spreading in the media. Anyone who's watched more than five minutes of ITV's coverage of any sporting event knows the best form of defence is attack. And that's what defence should be all about. Without a great attack, where is our defence? The more we supply our defence, the better we bolster our attack. Am I making sense here? I say we scrap defence altogether and replace it with a new department called Attack, which we can rent out to any nation we see fit. If the Russians want to invade Canada, we'll throw in the Air Force. If China's ready to take over Europe, what better way to get boots on the ground than loaning Britain's Department of Attack? It's what made us great, capital G, in the first place. Um, right. Uh, presenting the case in favour of defence and arms sales is the right honourable Stuart fluffy-headed hardy um so yeah the case in favor of defense by arms sales and our country's rather untoward history with profiting off of death on a massive scale is a difficult one to argue one that politicians manage to argue quite well by just saying random words and thinking that they mean something so since i want to win this week i'm going to do that difficult situation power struggle dichotomy linguistics multiculturalism 
obstacles, dilemma. Troops, weapons of mass destruction, killing families, poor people, dead. Dead plus dead equals alive. Two negatives cancel each other out. That's maths. That's maths, maths fans. Globalisation, reparation, civil liberties, dictatorship, monosulfate... <laughs> That's science, <laughs> science fans. <laughs> Housing benefit, and of course, anti-disestablishmentarianism. Um, just kidding. No, the re- main reason why arms trafficking um, is a good thing is because it gives us satirists something to talk about. If everyone was perfectly rational and just, you know, said, "Okay, arms trafficking." is a bad thing and we shouldn't be doing it, then we'd have no one to poke fun of because that would mean that the world was sane. Now, this may sound like a flimsy argument, and am I saying that people should die so that we could have a good old chuckle at the expense of politicians responsible? No. That's another argument in favour. I wrote another... I wrote something on a bit of paper in my pocket somewhere. Um, uh, Surely they know what they're doing and... Um, okay, the main reason why <laughs> def- arms sales as a form of defence is a good thing is because I want to win reality check this week and not Rick. Um, thank you. Right then, well, that was convincing. To be honest, your opening gambit I'd be more convinced than your secondary gambit when you apparently started taking it seriously. Yeah, I think I've, I think, I think I've won this week. There's I? a long career in politics for you. Yeah. There is, however, only one way to decide this kind of thing. We need to put these arguments to the house. All those in favour? And all those against? Hmm. It's a bit of a tie. Shall we shall we, we do call, it again? Shall we call that a tie? Do you think a draw for this week? Then? Yeah, a draw for this weekend, I think, yeah. I think it makes it four all. <laughs> Five all, in fact. <laughs> uh, all right, we'll, we'll try and sort something else out next week. Uh, before we go, we've got just about enough time for a few tweets we've had from our sponsors. Uh, yeah, we got on here from Enterprise Rent-A-Car saying, you bastards promised us we'd be in the sitcom sketch, you're not getting a penny, uh, which is a shame. Uh, I'm also legally and contractually obliged at this point to mention that my entire appearance has been supported and aided by Reckitt Benkisser Healthcare. Uh, yeah, how is how is Reckitt Benkisser Healthcare? Well, they're, they're really, really good. They're helping me to combat my man flu, uh, which is, is deadly until I use Lemsip, Max Cold and Flu, Blackcurrant, uh, which contains free <laughs> hydrochloride and paracetamol, combating the five main symptoms of man flu, five, fever, headache, body aches, blocked nose and sore throat. Wow, filiferine uh, hydrochloride, that sounds tasty, is it? Yeah, it's, it's nicer than the blackcurrant flavouring they put in there anyway. Uh, we've got one from Relentless here. Oh, no, they uh, they texted me. We're not getting the houseboat. Don't buy Relentless, people. It's made from dead, crushed-up baby animals in cans. <laughs> Fuck them. Uh, we've got one from BN Conference Calling, who say they revolutionised the way people do business. Really? I've got one from NB Conference Calling saying they revolutionised the way people do business. So I guess both of them do, then. Yeah. Shall we piss off and go on Twitter on our Sony Vios, twi- uh, Stu? Uh, yeah, let's. Uh, coming up next week on What the Fuck Just Happened on zone1radio.com on the audio boot platform. Donate to us by the clickable link next to our player. It's our sex issue. Sex sells. 
the What the Fuck Just Happened sex sales special with hot and steamy orgies that we comment upon in a cynical manner. Like we do all our hot and sexy orgies. Yeah, we gotta are, love those hot and sexy orgies. We are not welcome at dogging <laughs> parties. Um, we'll be wading into Channel 4's season of sex. If you blinked, you probably missed it. Uh, with a crappy chat show and a crappy American drama. And I'll be forcing Stuart to read the new Bridget Jones book, Mad About the Boy. Also, on Zeitgeist, they will be attempting to make their own successful serious drama with nipples, and we will prov- and we are proud to unveil our own adaptation of the most successful erotic book of all time, Fifty Shades of Grey. Which comes in at just under 58 hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, that's been everything for What the Fuck Just Happened. Uh, yeah, that's all from What the Fuck Just Happened, telling you what the fuck just happened. 